Yo, what is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. This is episode 41, and this week we are going to be talking about the big bomb that was dropped in Philadelphia. Got to address the fact that I am an idiot, so we'll be talking about that. Got to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think. I think the Pittsburgh Penguins I'm going to talk about. Ah, eh, probably not. Got to talk about the Edmonton Oilers, and of course we're going to take a look at the Toronto Maple Leafs. Probably talk about the Calgary Flames here a little bit, and then we're going to take a look at the insane race to the playoffs. So let's get into it with the... Let's start off with the I'm an idiot sequence. So I'm an idiot because last week I was talking about Ron Hextall and stuff, and I totally forgot that... Uh, he's not the GM of the Flyers anymore, and that was made very prevalent to me when um, uh, Ron Hextall wasn't fired. It was cl- uh, Chuck Fletcher was fired, and he's the GM, or was the GM of the Flyers, and no longer is. So last week I said that Ron Hextall was the GM of the Flyers, which is incorrect. So my bad, and on top of that, I didn't fuck up once, I fucked up twice. So last week Quinn Hughes hit a NHL record I said that he hit 200 assists or uh sorry I I said that he hit 200 points uh he actually hit 200 assists uh he's the fastest NHL defenseman to hit 200 assists in NHL history so uh another congratulations to um Quinn Hughes for that I apologize I mean uh I I that I should have caught on to that when I said that he that he had 200 um, points because like uh, he's been in the league longer than that he's got well over 200 points now but anyway so apologies for that little bit of a mix up there last week I caught it but I caught it much too late um, so I didn't fix it in the in post but it is what it is so now yeah you can call me an idiot if you want to so moving on now we'll go to and talk about the other idiot I guess he's not that much of an idiot he was an NHL GM for quite a long time, a lot longer than I think anybody thought he would be, but the Flyers have finally dropped the ball, they dropped the hammer, they dropped the guillotine, Chuck Fletcher is no longer the general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers, so yeah, I think it's about time that that happened, Um, the Flyers have not been having very much success over the last few years, really fallen out of their a um, little bit of a pattern that they've had over like the last decade or so was where they would make the playoffs, miss, make it, miss, make it. So they kind of had that thing going on. And I mean, I'm not going to say that it was working, but I mean, in terms of ownership and stuff, it was good enough that it's like, all right, we didn't make it. We'll make some minor tweaks. They make it back in and then those tweaks fall apart. They got to make other tweaks. So a lot of the times their philosophy in in uh, Philadelphia was, oh, we'll just We'll just get this in an offseason. We'll make a trade. Not much of a drafting team over here. Not much of a rebuilding team. I don't I can't really recall if they've ever gone through a full-on rebuild. So so what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna look back at what uh, Mr. Chuck Fletcher did in his tenure as a GM of the Philadelphia Flyers. So he was hired in 2018. Um, in terms of 2018 and onwards. Uh, I don't think they made the playoffs in 1819. There were 37, 37, and then 1920 they had that really good strong season before COVID happened. They were like the hottest team going into that COVID shutdown, and then after that, that just they just never never really got it back. There were 20 or 41, 21, and seven there, and then after that, the 2020 season onward, it's just been kind of a nightmare for them. So they went from 89 points, they fell down to. 58 points then 61 points and now they're at 59 points this season so 
yeah, there hasn't been a whole lot of sustained success under Chuck Fletcher. Prior to that, like I said, their pattern was um, pretty similar. So they would have play. They made the playoffs in 14, 16, 18, and 20. So there you go. Every other year. And then no playoffs, 13, 15, 17, 19, 21, and 22. So now that's over. So every odd year they missed, every even year they made it in. Not the case anymore. So... Um, before Chuck Fletcher got here, he, uh, he was the GM of the Minnesota Wild. He left that franchise in absolute shambles. He is the man that was responsible for signing 12 years, 12 year deals on both Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. And at the time, I mean, it didn't like, yeah, it was definitely eyebrow raising for the amount of years. And, and we all saw how long that contract was going to take them until they're like 40 years old apiece rarely do players make it playing that long in their careers unless you got to be like a franchise franchise player some of the best of the best and no disrespect to Zach Parise or Ryan Suter but those were they weren't the best of the best at the time they weren't really franchise players on their team they were really really good players at that time yeah and the bell of the ball of the free agency at that time but yeah we look back on that signing and it was an absolute disaster it, it fucked up Minnesota for a long time and um they had some success with them there and everything, but no cups, no real strong playoff runs or anything until basically Bill Guerin got in there and kind of started fixing everything. They bought out the contracts of Parise and Suter. Um, Bill Guerin, I must say, has done a kind of an insanely fantastic job with um, with those buyouts and traversing the waters with these cap uh, penalties and all this dead cap money on their on their books and he's still managing to make deals and bringing in assets and actually bringing in players that I'm very impressed with Bill Guerin but that's not who we're talking about we're talking about Chuck Fletcher who is very not impressive so after he left Minnesota in shambles he comes over to Philadelphia and uh, I don't know where I really want to start here let's let's try let's start with some of the the trades that he started making so he starts out trading Stallars to Edmonton for Talbot. I mean, I mean, Stallars actually moved on to be a fairly decent goaltender for the Anaheim Ducks. Didn't do a whole lot for the Edmonton Oilers. At that time, I was shocked that Edmonton was trading away Talbot. He played fantastic for them at that time, but that trade goes down. We can kind of chalk that up for like an even trade, I guess. I guess it's more or less a win for him. Uh, June 3rd, 2019... They move a 2019 fifth to the Winnipeg Jets for the signing rights of Kevin Hayes. And we saw where that ended up going. Kevin Hayes got a nice big extension. I think it's like seven years, seven million plus dollars or something like that. Uh, not a great, I mean, I think he's fine, actually. I think like the money, yeah, it might be a little bit much. But in terms of the role that he's played for Philadelphia, I think he's semi-justified for that money. In and around, point-of-game player. May not be the most responsible defensively. But, I mean, the contract. this contract would look really bad on most other teams' books. But for Philadelphia, I don't think it was all that bad. So you traded away a fifth to get his rights. So I don't think that was really a bad trade. Uh, June 14th of 2019, they traded away Gudis to Washington for Matt Niskanen, and that was actually a very, very good trade made right there. Niskanen was fantastic for the Philadelphia Flyers. He was paired up with Provorov, and those two were both very, very good together, and then Niskanen retired, and uh, yeah, it really hasn't been uh, so great for Provorov after that, but that was a good trade for him right there. I mean, Matt Niskanen, if he 
just happened to play a little bit longer. That would have been a really good trade. Uh, Radcall Gudis moved on from Washington, so there's that. Uh, another trade in the summer of 2019, they traded a seventh to Montreal for um, a, a, another. They traded a seventh for a seventh. Uh, Montreal, they traded away to Montreal, and that seventh round pick ended up becoming Raphael Harvey Pinard. Uh, you may not be fin- familiar with that name, but he's actually a, a pretty darn good player for the Montreal Canadiens this season. So. Uh, looked like very as minor of a trade you can make, but it actually turned out to be a loss for them because uh, they ended up drafting uh, a guy with a fantastic name, Gunnar Wolf Fontaine. They drafted him. Don't really know the story about him, but I would think that the Flyers would rather have Harvey Pennard right now, but it is what it is. And then 2021, they make the big trade here. Uh, Philip Myers and Nolan Patrick to Nashville for Ryan Ellis. So, This one's kind of not fair to judge because on paper, Philadelphia wins this trade. It's just that they, we didn't really know that Ryan Ellis was not going to actually really play for Philadelphia. So I think that if, if Ryan Ellis actually played with Philadelphia, they definitely wouldn't have been as bad as they have been over the last couple years. I don't know if they, they, he would have been enough maybe to push them into a playoff spot and maybe we would be, we would, we'd be having a completely different conversation at this point and maybe Flyers are in a playoff spot and Chuck Fletcher or Chuck Fletcher's job is completely safe at this point, but that's not the case. He's gone now, but yeah, man, I mean, Ryan Ellis coming in on paper that looked, I remember it going down at the time. I was like, whoa, they traded away Nolan Patrick, but if you look at Nolan Patrick right now, yes, he was the second overall pick. And it, I don't think it's not his fault. It's just a terribly tragic amount of injuries have, have fallen onto Nolan Patrick. Has kind of ruined his career. So I, I really hope that Nolan Patrick can get it back someday and at least have an NHL career. Doubt he's ever going to live up to that second overall billing. But um, yeah, man, that's just uh, really unfortunate. It's kind of a... I don't know. It's it, They lose the trade now because Ryan Ellis just doesn't play, and it doesn't look like he's going to play. But they trade away Philip Myers. He doesn't really play. Nolan Patrick, he doesn't really play. So on paper, that would have been a good trade for the Philadelphia Flyers if Ryan Ellis was just able to play. But again, that can go down to organizational just mismanagement. Maybe they could have looked into Ryan Ellis's injury history. They could have looked at how he's been playing and stuff, and maybe they would have known that they were buying damaged goods. But that is what it is. And then this one's pretty bad. This is one of the more not good trades. So they traded away Shane Gostisbehere with a second and a seventh to Arizona for nothing. They traded him away for future considerations, never got anything. And Gostisbehere went on to be a solid defenseman for them. He actually rejuvenated his career. And then Arizona just traded him away for assets this trade deadline. So yeah, Philadelphia fucked up bad right there. I understand that Gossespierre wasn't really, uh, wasn't having a good time over there in Philadelphia anymore, and his value was really, really low. But the fact that they had to give up assets to get rid of him, and then Arizona's like, yeah, we'll take him absolutely. They get assets for him, and then like what two solid seasons out of him there. So, yeah, that was a fantastic trade for the Arizona Coyotes. A disaster for Philadelphia. And then the Ristolainen trade. Jesus fucking Christ, man. I still can't believe this trade. Uh, Robert Haig, a 2021 first who became Isaac Rosen, who apparently is uh, projected to be a solid NHL player. 2023 second, which has still not been drafted yet. So, yeah. And then Buffalo, uh, that goes to Buffalo. And then, yeah, Philadelphia brings in Rasmus Ristolainen. Been an 
unbelievable disaster for him over there in Philadelphia. It's just not worked out at all. And uh, yeah, that was a horrible, horrible trade for them. And then the Claude Giroux trade goes down. Actually, I kind of like this one. So they traded away Claude Giroux, uh, someone named German Rubstov, Connor Bunneman, and a 24-5th. To Florida, they get Owen Tippett, who's been pretty darn good for them, I think. He's doing much better than he was in Florida. He's getting a much, much more opportunity to play. And I think he's actually a darn good player. Pretty decent right there. And they get a 2023 third, a 2024 first, which is top 10 protected. And the way that Florida's going right now, that could be... That could be a top 10 pick next year, and if Florida decides to protect that pick, it'll move on to 25, and that's completely unprotected. So who knows where Florida is going to be heading in a couple years. That could be a very good pick for the Flyers. So that was a good trade. That was a good trade. And that was the last like major trade that he made, but fuck, man. After that, like they, ha- they have this trade deadline this past, uh, the one that just passed, and that's basically was the final nail in the coffin for Fletcher. It was already well known that he was going to be fired at the end of the season, but with all the heat that was getting put on the Flyers for that just lack of doing really anything in the, in the trade deadline, that just set off management, I guess, and they just pulled the trigger right away. So they bring in Danny Briere. So Danny Briere used to play in the NHL, pretty darn good player right there. I I wouldn't say I was a big old fan of him, but I was aware of him. He played for the Habs. He played for a lot of teams I didn't like. So he's going to be the new interim GM for now. Uh, more than likely, he's going to be the the GM going on here. We'll we'll see. Um, it's not like Danny Briere is just getting this job because he played for the Flyers. He's actually been putting in a lot of work. He's been. I can't, I can't, I don't remember 100% if he was coaching, or I think he was coaching down in the ECHL, if I'm not mistaken. I probably am, and I'll call myself an idiot next week if that's the case. But he's done pretty well, man. He's he's done his dues. He's done the things that you need to do to become uh, a GM, I guess. So I'm fine with him going in there. They're apparently looking for another uh, person for another job. So they're going to be looking to hire two people. I'd be a little bit surprised if one of them isn't Danny Briere and then another one could be whoever the fuck they want. But uh, I, I'm fine with Danny Briere. I think it's it's refreshing to see someone new and it's really nice to see a former NHL player that like I knew. So I'm like, oh, cool. So now he's a GM. That's that's pretty fun. So I'm not I'm, I'm OK with that. But let's talk about a little bit of um, let's talk about some of the extensions that Cliff Fletcher gave out so it's another thing that he wasn't very strong yet so we just went through some of his trade history not very strong right there let's go through his signing history so in March of 2022 he extended Ristolainen for five years at 5.1 million dollars per season disaster absolute disaster after that a few days later he signed Sanheim to a 6.1 or sorry 6.25 million dollar per season eight year extension and at points in this season this dude has been scratched so this looks like an absolute disaster of a signing doesn't look like it's going to age very well maybe with the change of management and and all that maybe he can reclaim his worth but regardless I think that's that's going to age quite poorly right there uh, in 2019, he extended Kevin Hayes for 7.142 million for seven years. I don't hate it. I really, I don't hate the Kevin Hayes signing. If he's in and around a point of game player, I don't. I think you could do worse, uh, giving him that amount of money. So I don't hate it. The the term may not be what you really want, but 
I don't think that's a horrible deal. It's not ideal, but I don't think it's bad. Uh, they've also gone through um, a lot of coaches throughout um, his history. So 1819, they had Haxtell and Gordon. 1920, they brought in Vigneault. He was the coach for a couple years. Midway through 21-22, they fire Vigneault, bring in or Vigneault, and then bring in Mike Yo, And then, of course, now we have John Tortorella. So, uh, I mean, Tortorella, he, he's definitely not everybody's cup of tea, but I can't deny the fact that he's brought more out of this Philadelphia Flyers team than I think a, I would say a majority of coaches would have been able to do with this team. So he puts the, the Tortorella fucking handprint all over this team. They're blocking shots, playing solid defense. Uh, not exactly fun to play against. And Carter Hart's kind of rejuvenated a little bit there. There's still talks that maybe Carter Hart is going to get traded. I mean, whoa, I I, I would be very shocked if that's the case, if they would trade Carter Hart. What do you guys think? Do you think that Carter Hart is not going to be a part of this? If they're going into a rebuild, is like how many of the assets are they going to sell? Is there any asset on the Philadelphia Flyers today that you feel is untouchable? I think the only one, honestly, may be like Konechny and, and maybe Kadahat, but I I really don't think anything else is all that uh, maybe that York kid, the young young defenseman, and maybe Owen Tippett. Those would be like the only ones that I guess I wouldn't say untouchable, but ones you would maybe want to keep. I don't know, but if they traded away Carter Hart, man, I would I would be very very shocked. So let's talk about the last thing: his draft history. So, uh, yeah, there's there's kind of the major things for a GM that can that can make them a successful GM being really good at one of those things rather you're really good at making good signings you could be bad at other things but as long as you're if you're really good at one or two of these things then you're probably going to be okay it looks like Fletcher wasn't really good at any of this so let's take a look at the draft history uh 2019 he does he uh, drafted 14th overall Cam York who um at, at points there, it really looked like that was a bust, but he's actually kind of rejuvenated, revitalized his career there. So he's looking quite solid right there, so that could be a good pick. Uh, 34 that year, they drafted Bobby Brink. Fantastic name, don't really know much about him. We're not going to know a whole lot about these picks, right? None of them, aside from Can York, as far as I know, are playing in the NHL, so... A lot of these we aren't going to really know about. 2020, number 23 overall, they did Tyson Forster, 135, Elliott something, and then 21, they only made one draft pick, Sammy Tumala, and then 22 with the fifth overall pick, Cutter Gauthier, great name, Uh, wow, what a great name, but yeah, man, that's not really a strong track record right there for Cliff Fletcher in any of those aspects, didn't really make a whole lot of good trades, didn't make a whole lot of good signings, and didn't do amazing at drafting definitely worthy of the firing i would say but the big thing is is how in control was chuck fletcher in philadelphia how how much influence did he actually how much power did he actually hold as the gm of the philadelphia flyers a lot of people are thinking that you know it's it's the people upstairs that are are telling these gms to do that and you know uh, that's kind of the shitty thing when it comes to ownership. Sometimes ownership decides they want to get very involved when they don't really, they don't have the the know-how. They don't have the knowledge. They're not in the business to play GM. You own the team. You're great at ha- you're great at having a lot of money and all that. That's great. But if you hire a GM, let the GM do the job. Don't 
influence him and tell him what to do when you don't actually know what you should or shouldn't be doing. So I would leave it to the professionals. If I was an owner, that's just, you know, my, my NHL team is like, that's just my investment. Like if that thing is bringing me money, great. But I don't know, maybe the fly, maybe the owner guy was seeing them losing money or shit was going wrong. So he decided to get involved. But regardless, that's always kind of out there with, uh, it's a little more known uh, which GMs and which GMs do or don't get super involved with their with their squads and stuff. We've seen it out of Buffalo for a long time with the Pagula family. They like to be very, very hands-on with their franchises. The Buffalo Bills, they had their hands all over it until they stopped. And then the Buffalo Bills started being good. So if they could just do that with the Buffalo Sabres, take your fucking hands out of there. Let the let the professionals do the job. Maybe the Sabres will make the playoffs for the first time in fucking 11 years. So there is that. I, I can't tell you. I'm not in there. I'm not a fly on the wall in, in the Flyers organization, but... Yeah, man, there's there's definitely got to be some influence there, some just Cliff Fletcher kind of being a zombie at times. And, okay, we'll just, okay, you want me to sign Ristolainen for how much? And for how many years? Okay, well, every single person in the NHL, every analyst, every professional says don't do this, but if you got, it's your money, all right, we'll do it. So there is that. That could be the case that Fletcher really didn't have a whole lot of, of say what was and wasn't going on in, in his franchise, but... Yeah, man, it's it's at least over now. We'll uh, we'll see how Danny Breer goes on and how it's going to go for the Philadelphia Flyers moving forward. But you know, at least Cliff Fletcher's gone. Uh, yeah, that's that's got to be at least some good news for uh, Flyers fans out there. It's going to be rough. I mean, Danny Breer hasn't shied away from the fact uh, that they want to do a rebuild. And the great thing is about Danny Breer, it sounds like he has a plan. He sounds like he knows what he wants to do and. You know, I don't know if he's going to be able to accomplish it, but at, le- at least he's got a plan. At least he knows what he wants to do, and that's great. So, I don't know. Over the last few years, it doesn't look like the Flyers really knew what they wanted to do other than we just want to make playoffs. We want to be in the playoffs as often as possible. It doesn't matter if we're a really top contending team. We just want to be in there, right? So, that's, not the, that's only going to get you so far and only going to be successful for so long until your team just ends up being straight up mediocre because you're not getting high enough draft picks and you're not having really good enough runs to, I don't know, bring people over and convince them that you're a true contender, but... Yeah, man, it's a big, big thing for the Philadelphia Flyers right here. I'd love to hear what you guys think about that. What do you think the Flyers are going to do? Will they trade Carter Hart? I mean, I think that's crazy. I still think Carter Hart could be, uh, he could be part of the rebuild. And, and, you know, every rebuild is a little bit different. Not every rebuild takes five plus years. Sometimes you look at the Rangers. They got it done in no time. Doubt that, I don't know if that would happen for the Flyers, but uh, we'll have to just wait and see. It's going to be interesting. Uh, just if, if the Flyers do go through an actual rebuild, it's going to be very interesting to see how they do that because I've never seen them do it before. It would be nice if Vancouver would get on that, on that page as well, but nah, that's just not in Vancouver's repertoire. They don't like doing that. All right, so let's talk about some uh, injury news. We got quite a, we got a handful here of some pretty major injuries. So we'll start right off with Kaprizov. Uh, Kaprizov. Ka- Kaprizov, that was a Kaprizov. There we go. Uh, He will be out for three to four weeks with a lower body injury, and that is a massive blow to the Minnesota Wilds offense, even though they have been playing pretty decently without him. But he is kind of the stir that straws a drink over there in Minnesota. So they are definitely going to be missing him. I want to take a look at the uh, crazy uh, wild 
uh, wildcard race a little bit later on. We'll see how Minnesota is doing. As far as I know, they're playing really well lately. Uh, sadly, they've kind of gone back to that old old style of Minnesota play where every game is like one nothing, 2-1s, really boring and chippy. And, and yeah, I, I, I like a good... Um, exciting game when they played the Leafs not long ago. I was, I was hoping for a nice, exciting game. It was quite boring. Quite boring. Uh, Andrei Savechnikov, is he out for the season? As of this point, we don't know. He is going to be re-evaluated to see if he has a torn ACL. If he does have a torn ACL, he's Dunyan rings. He's going to be Dunyan rings for the whole season. I, I believe that would take him out for the whole playoffs as well. That is a major, major injury. Uh, torn ACL so they're going to get a second opinion on that as of right now they said he's going to be out for about uh, about four weeks is what they've quoted so far but we'll see if that's actually torn and yeah man that is just a that is just a critical blow to the offense of the Carolina Hurricanes that's you know kind of been known to struggle on offense for quite a while now they have really good a lot of good players really deep team but kind of lacking that super duper star on that squad and Svechnikov arguably like between him and Aho, those are kind of their best offensive players I would say and yeah Svechnikov even himself he came out and I believe he was you know apologizing to his GM or coach saying that like I'm sorry that I got hurt and like oh that just hurts me to hear someone saying that because like he knows how important he's going to be for the playoff run he knows how important he's going to be for everything like that and he just knows that that's going to be a critical blow and you know hockey's a hard game people get hurt and yeah the timing of this injury sucks ass and if it truly is torn and he's going to miss the whole thing that is going to suck ass but with the silver lining, I guess, is they're going to be able to give Pugliarvi uh, maybe a bigger role and see what he can do. Carolina's been pretty good at uh, taking projects, I guess, and uh, making them a little bit better. I wouldn't call Cockton Yemi a project, but I don't know. Montreal seemed to be done with him, and I think they've done a pretty good job with him over the last... Uh, year or so here he had that huge game last week five point game i think it was like a goal and four assists i just happened to pick him up in fantasy that day so i was like wow you were what a pickup anyway um yeah it's good that's definitely a huge blow for the carolina hurricanes um now maybe people are questioning their moves at the deadline a little bit more it's like oh could could they have brought in more i mean yeah probably they probably could have brought in more but I didn't hate the moves that they did. I thought bringing in Pugliarvi, pretty smart. They could get something quite valuable out of that in the long run as well. And then I thought Gospare was... Gospare, that's a great, solid um, pickup for them. He's a really strong offensive defenseman, So and he's looked like he's fit in there quite well so far. So, uh, hoping for Sveshnikov, he's... I'd say he's one, he's my favorite player in Carolina. I love this guy. I, I draft him every single year. I just really like Sveshnikov, man. He's kind of like your budget Ovechkin, and there's that history between them where Ovechkin knocked him the fuck out a couple playoffs ago, and that was amazing. But I love Andre Sveshnikov, so I'm hoping that he'll be okay. I would I really want him to get in there on the playoffs. Uh, more injuries from the Colorado Avalanche. Are you guys sick of it yet over there in Colorado? I swear, you guys. I don't think they've had a healthy team once at all not even close uh so Lekkonen now he will be out for three to four weeks and I would say that is a fairly big blow I mean Lekkonen has been a great addition for the Colorado Avalanche since the playoff run last year um and he's fit in quite well this season he's playing really good so yeah that's going to be a, a bit of a blow for them Colorado still man they've had a hell of a season really battling man with all the injuries and the long playoff run the playoff hangover and they're battling back into it doing quite well but being down Lankinen or um 
Is that his name? Is that, did I say that right? Lekkonen? Lekkonen. There you go. Yeah, that's going to suck ass, man. So that's going to suck ass, but it's Colorado. They've done this all year long. They've been battling through injury. They still get the job done, so there is that. Oh, also, now that I just brought up, um, what do you call them, uh, uh, Colorado, I have to mention back to the Philadelphia Flyers situation. There was a there was a big old like calling out party. I don't remember which way it was going, but it was rather Ron Hextall was calling out Bobby Clark for not drafting Kale McCarr, or it was the other way around. Regardless, one of them wanted Kale McCarr. They didn't draft him. Instead, they picked Nolan Patrick. So... Things would again if they had if they were able to keep Neskin in if Ryan Ellis never retired and if they drafted Kale McCarr instead of Nolan Patrick how different would the Flyers be right now like oh my god anyway a little off track there but I just I remember I remember I had I had to talk about that okay so those are all the major injuries that have been kind of going around over the last week here so let's move on to something a little bit weird um, so the NHL is going to be hosting a animated game like cartoon animated i don't know what it's going to look like it's going to be uh the new york rangers versus the washington capitals i believe and i really have no idea what to expect out of this i believe it's going to be it's going to be streaming on a whole bunch of things i think i heard it was going to be on like disney or something but again i don't know if that has it like i don't know what they're doing if that's coming to canada or anything like that but i heard about that and i thought that was really interesting so I believe what their goal is with this is that they're trying to catch uh, kids and trying to get them interested in watching hockey games as early as possible. Because if you can get a kid into it early, then they're probably going to be a fan for life. Like me. Like, I got into hockey, watching hockey when I was in a... Fuck. Whenever the Dallas Stars won. So in 2000, I was about 7 or 8 when I started, like... Got started watching hockey a little bit for the first time, and then 2003 was when I became like I started watching like every Leaf game. But yeah, it's not like there's been a handful of times throughout my 20 years of watching the Leafs that I was like, I don't know if I want to watch this anymore. But you know, I've already dedicated so many years. I'm like, fuck, what's you know? It's kind of too hard to give up now. And there was one year there that I I just couldn't watch hockey. I was living in the country. Uh, living in out in the country not in a country I guess I was still in Canada but I was in an area where internet wasn't very good and uh, I just didn't have the sports package to watch the Leafs so uh, I think it was like 2006 or something 2006 7 one of those years I just didn't get to watch hockey because I just didn't have access to it which was terrible all I could do was watch the there was like a channel and it would just have all the logos on it and it would have the scores and I would sometimes just watch that and wait for it to go Bloop. It's like, oh, the Leafs scored. Oh, my God. Ah. So that was a terrible time in my life. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't really, I don't know what it's going to be. It's probably not going to be flawless. There's probably going to be glitches with it. I'm I'm interested. Like, I want to check it out. I don't know if I'm going to, like, watch it live or anything. I'm probably going to be working or something. But I'll check out highlights and just see what it looks like. I It's interesting. I like the idea, man. I like the thinking outside of the box. Give it a try, man. Why not? So so that's happening. NHL is going to be broadcasting games animated. That'll be interesting. A lot of people saying some funny shit like, oh, it'd be really awesome if they have like a big old line brawl in the first game. You got like animated Panarin and animated Zbinejad fighting animated freaking Ovechkin and stuff. And like, how are they going to be able to cut out the swearing? Like, 
I don't know, I feel like more than ever now, I hear more F-bombs being dropped on live TV during hockey games than ever, so are they going to have a delay there? Are they going to be able to edit out any major swearing? What's what's that going to look like? So, again, I, it's very it's very much so piqued my interest. I am very interested to see uh, how this is going to go down. What do you guys think? Do you think this is going to work, or is it going to be a, a one-and-done situation? It's going to be a fucking disaster. All right, speaking of disaster, they were having the GM meetings this week. Um, Lots of speculation of what they are going to talk about, but so far they really haven't talked about all that much. Uh, Out of the latest meetings, the only thing that really caught my eye that was somewhat stimulating is that they were talking about adding more protection from uh, skate blades in the NHL. So, I mean, yeah, it's uh, not really a thing that I find myself thinking about all that often, but... They are, in fact, on skating on knife shoes, and I have seen a couple of those uh, really bad situations. So I think back to uh, Richard Zednick. He had his throat slashed by a skate blade. An errant skate blade just came up. Wasn't on purpose. Complete accident. But I watched that. I was watching that live when that happened. It scared the hell out of me. There's blood everywhere. And I imagine if anyone's listening to this, you've probably seen that goalie where he got his throat slash and the blood just sprays all over the ice it's terrifying it was horrifying and thankfully they they saved his life and everything like that but it, it happens i mean eric carlson getting his uh, tendon cut from the skate blade evander kane earlier this season so it's something that happens it kind of seems to happen in little bunches like when one happens it seems like another one happens kind of shortly after i don't know they just seem to want to get it out of their system bad things happen in threes right but they have talked about that, and I mean, yeah, I want people to be safe. It's a very dangerous game, and uh, yeah, I'm down for more protection. If you're going to put on some more protection, great. Uh, the only thing is, uh, there has been there has been some pushback to that. Uh, kind of like um, if if a player is asked to add something new to their equipment and it's really uncomfortable. Uh, it could seriously affect their game. So uh, there's a possibility that this is something that can be grandfathered in. So think way, way back to when uh, hockey players didn't wear helmets for... They just didn't wear helmets when they played. I know, right? Absolutely fucking bananas. But they didn't. And then they introduced the rule that, okay, you got to start wearing helmets now. But it start, it was grandfathered in. It's like, all right, dudes that are in the league already, you don't have to wear the helmet. But... If you're new, you have to wear the helmet. If you're just coming in now, put the fucking helmet on. You can't take it off. But everybody else, all right, all right. But And then, what was it, Craig McTavish had was like the last guy for the longest time that didn't play without a helmet. He just kept going. So that was really cool. I can see something similar uh, to that happening if they're going to be adding in something new uh, to equipment that's going to make a major change to players and their comfort levels or whatever. Probably going to be grandfathered in, something like that. And again... Also shocked that they didn't talk about the goalie throat protector thing. I don't know how or why goaltenders are not wearing throat protectors. I think that should be mandatory. What's up with that? What's up with that? Anyway, uh, speaking what's up with that, I wanted to talk about the Edmonton Oilers a little bit. So watching them play the Leafs the other day and some of those weird stats that come along the while you're watching the game popped up. And I don't know, this one just, it's not really eye-opening, like it's, you know, I read it and I was like, no, yeah, that makes sense. But I think it's really weird that the Edmonton Oilers have this like incredible offense. I mean, they got Leon Dreisaitl, you got Connor McDavid being uh, scoring points that we haven't seen in like 20 years. He's just been insane. 
uh, Zach Hyman becoming like a hundred point player, fucking Nugent Hopkins having an amazing season, Evander Kane doing just dandy, all that great stuff. But then they have literally like bottom five defensive numbers, bottom five penalty killing numbers, bottom five goaltending numbers. It's it's insane, and it's it's kind of that argument that I had with the Leafs when they were trying to do this or trying to go offensive heavy double down on the offense in the in the playoffs and it just doesn't work in the playoffs like it's easier for teams to shut you down than it is than it is for you know it's just I just find that it's easier to get shut down and at least got shut down a lot but when you have someone that's Connor McDavid he is tough to shut down and especially in a seven game series more than likely not going to be able to shut him down every single game so I think with the Oilers it's a little bit different than say Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner because I don't know, McDavid can just take over a game in a way that those two can't. They can take over games, don't get me wrong, but we've just we've seen the track record of Leafs trying to double down with offense in the playoffs. It hasn't worked for them. Edmonton, though, on the other hand, they found much more success with this. So they went on to the third round. They've they've gotten past the first round, so it's worked out more so for them, but now that they've brought in Ryan Ellis, it really seems like their defense has improved kind of all over. Like not immensely, but it's definitely working. It's definitely been a great addition that... Sorry, I might have said Ryan Ellis, but I meant Ekholm. It's been a really good addition for them. I mean, Tyson Berry, yeah, he's an amazing offensive defenseman. Super good on the power play. Didn't have a bomb, though. So he didn't have that big slap shot, but it's okay. Evan Bouchard has that bomb of a slap shot. He may not be as uh, good offensively with the passing and stuff, but he's got that bomb. And that bomb is... It's very deadly. It's something that I used to dread so much when the Leafs played Boston, when Chara was there. And whenever Boston would have the power play, they would just feed it back to Chara. They would bomb it at you as hard as possible, and there would just be carnage in front of the net. And, yeah, when carnage would happen in front of the net, Leafs didn't do so well with that, and the Bruins would just fucking destroy them. So, yeah, that wasn't always a good time over there. What the hell am I talking about? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, of course. The Oilers. We're talking about the Oilers. Sometimes that happens. I'm, I'm talking and then I completely forget what the hell I've been talking about. So I'm just, I'm, I don't know how it's going to go for the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs. I mean, I feel like they're going to make the playoffs, but I don't know, man. I feel like if, if this year doesn't go their way, I feel like the Edmonton Oilers are going to start maybe taking a page or two out of the Toronto Maple Leafs playbook where they're going to start, all right, maybe we're going to start sacrificing some offense here for a defense. And I feel like that first move has already been made with Ekholm. They just sacrificed the offensive talents of Tyson Berry and fixing it by, you know, taking, yes, a little bit of a hit from from offense. Not like Ekholm is, is useless offensively. He's quite fine. He scored a nice bomb of a slap shot goal against the Leafs. It was very nice. But he brings a defensive side that Barry just, no, no, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Ekholm is a very good uh, defensive-minded defenseman. He's not fully defensive defenseman. I'd say he's still, I would classify him as a two-way. He's still got that offensive side, but I think it's worked out really well for them. That could be a player that's going to play a major role for, uh, for them next season. I don't know, man. Like, I would just think of, like, for example, I don't, I don't, I doubt this could even happen if they can make the money work, but if it doesn't go good for Edmonton this season, like, wouldn't a Ryan McDonough back there just be fucking amazing? Like, a player like that, just so defensively responsible, won those cups with Tampa Bay, he would know uh, the discipline that it would take with blocking shots and being in the right positions. 
stuff like that, knowing when to and when not to pinch on a play. So I don't know. I just, for some reason, I don't know. I just feel like Ryan McDonough would be sick on the Oilers. That would be dope. But, you know, that's a lot of money and that stuff. But uh, curious what you guys think about the Edmonton Oilers. Do you think they should double down on the offense with freaking Connor McDavid and all them or do you think they should start trying to balance out that off or that defense a little bit and I feel like a lot of people are going to be on the defensive side it's just that Edmonton hasn't really made the best decisions when it comes to the back end and goaltending I mean Jack Campbell can't stop anything uh I'm so sad about that man it really looked like there he was getting it back he was winning games consistently I was like oh yeah baby Jack Campbell's back and then he falls off a cliff again, and I know what it is. I think all, a lot of us Leaf fans know what it is. It's confidence. It's straight-up confidence with Jack Campbell, and that's the one of the, probably the biggest battle in being an NHL goaltender is that men, mental game. It is so hard mentally to be a goaltender in the NHL. I can't fathom it. I have no idea. I've never fucking even played uh, as a goalie in ice hockey, so I have no idea. But with Campbell, you could see it, man. Campbell is his biggest enemy. When he does something wrong, he beats himself up harder than anybody in the world will. He will beat himself up worse than any fucking beat reporter will in Edmonton. He will beat himself up worse than any big Edmonton Oilers fan will. And I can completely relate to that. I am the same way. Whenever I make a mistake, I am the first one to beat my ass about it. No matter how small the mistake is, I am the first one there. I am beating myself up. And yeah, I, I, I admit I'm a little bit like Campbell, I can go overboard sometimes. Like sometimes it could be as simple as like, I remember one day, bro, I shit you not. I fuck I was making breakfast. I cracked an egg. I, I dropped the egg. It hit the ground. I called in sick to work. I was just like, oh, okay, it's going to be one of these fucking days where I just can't fucking do anything right. And I'm just beating myself up over dropping a, st- it's just an egg. It's just an egg, but I'm like, nope, I'm done. My whole day's ruined. I'm, I'm not into it. Fuck this shit. So I, I don't know. I, I've gotten better. I've gotten better with that over the year. I could drop an egg today and I, I'd probably be fine. It's okay. But Campbell, clearly, we've seen it with his interviews in Toronto and I've seen it with his interviews here in Edmonton. That guy gets so down on himself and he loses all confidence in himself. And if he could just find a way to maintain his confidence, man, he would be an unbelievable goalie. I've seen what this dude can do as a confident goaltender. He went on that insane winning streak with the Leafs. He was happy. Everyone loved him. The crowd loved him. I love him. I will always love Jack Campbell unless he does something terrible like drive drive his truck drunk through a Tim Hortons Oh, wait, Ryan O'Reilly did that? Oh, well, uh, that's okay. He's a Leaf now, so I don't care. He can get away. He can do whatever he wants. But, yeah, man, uh, it's just uh, they haven't made the right decisions when it comes to defense. I mean, they brought in Duncan Keith. Like, what was that about? And they trade away a young defenseman. Like, I don't know, man. Um, there's 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 got to be something over there in Edmonton that they can do to make that defense a little bit stronger. I, if I'm I'm in Edmonton Oiler fan shoes right now, I'm a little bit terrified for the playoffs. I mean, Stuart Skinner has been fine, but that's not a guy I really want to bring in to the playoff run. And it'd be so nice if he can get that playoff Jack Campbell back. Because honestly, the two seasons that he played for the Leafs in the playoffs, he was spectacular in both of them. I thought he was spectacular in both of them. Uh, but yeah, man, it's really it's really rough. I hate seeing Jack Campbell going through this. And he's got a long way to go, man. That contract is long and... Maybe he ends up getting bought out at some point, but fuck, I just want him to be happy again. All right, let's move on now to the Toronto Maple Leafs. So let's talk about Matt Murray here a little bit. So 
Matt Murray has returned to the net. He and um, not playing so great, is he? He's not playing so hot now, is he? So he gets that comeback win against Edmonton. Um, I, I wouldn't count on those kind of games happening too often where the Leafs are going to be able to score, what was it, like four goals in four minutes or something in the second period and bail out Matt Murray. But yeah, man, I, I can't lie that his, his play in the net hasn't really encouraged me. And um, I kind of kind of wish that the Leafs would have done something goaltender-wise, maybe brought in a, a something to, to help. But, I mean, Justin Wall, or Joe, what's his name? Wall, I don't know. Wall is back there. He's pretty solid. But Matt Murray, he's good. He's definitely not going to be the guy starting game one in the playoffs unless something crazy happens, like Samsonov getting hurt. Or Matt Murray going on a heater, which I would be all for. I would love if Matt Murray went on a heater, but... Yeah, man, I mean, all in all, I think the Matt Murray thing is kind of gone as expected. I personally think it's gone a little bit better than expected. He's played solid. He's gotten the wins. He got hurt, which I think a lot of us expected him. He was going to get hurt at some point or another during this season, and he did. And I, I'm still not like going to be on him too hard just yet because he is still kind of coming back from a long-term injury. So he's only played the two games, I believe, back-to-back -back games. Not one day after the other, but he played in the Edmonton game, and then he played in the Buffalo game, and oh god, man, that Buffalo game, that Buffalo game, uh, let's, let's talk about the Buffalo game right now, let's talk about it, so that first period that the Leafs played was fantastic, I mean, I think they outshot the Sabres like 14 to 3 or something like that, they looked great, they are playing great, and Murray made, you know, a handful of saves there, the Buffalo Sabres looked like dog shit, and then the roles reversed. I mean, Buffalo absolutely shit all over the Leafs in that second period. I don't know. I don't even know how, like, <laughs> the Leafs ended up scoring, like, two goals on three shots or something in that second period. They did not deserve to be in the lead after that period. But, yeah, man, that wasn't a very good game at all. Not very encouraging. I mean, Matthews was good. Matthews played quite good, actually, but... That was a bad game, man. I was I twice have been disappointed by the Buffalo versus uh, Toronto games. I thought they were going to be really fun and hectic and crazy. And they're, it was a boring game the other night. I was honestly bored. Like, I was like, fuck. I was wanted more out of that game. But no. Willie Nylander made it, like, kind of interesting towards the end. I I just didn't think they were going to get it. I just didn't, didn't feel it. wasn't feeling it. But that Edmonton game. Holy fuck. Let's go back and talk about that a little bit. So... Matt Murray's in that game. I think this was his first game back from injury, and he allows the first shot in. So we're off to an absolute terrible start. And then he allows this really ugly wraparound, wraparound goal from Evander Kane. That made me look... That was... So we're off to a very scary start. I'm already, I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. Like, he looks so bad on that wraparound goal. He was so out of position, man. It was bad. It was really bad. But then, like, the third goal, the whole team got undressed by Connor McDavid. I mean... Not much you could do about that. Connor McDavid is he did he got Connor McDavid right there. He walks through the whole team, makes it look easy. Why does this happen every time? Why does he have to do this to us every single time? God damn it, McDavid. But then the Leafs come back and it starts out with that absolute undressing goal for Marner, dude. Oh my god. I don't know what the fuck the Edmonton Oilers were thinking with some of those muffins they were throwing for passes. Why did he pass that puck in front of his own net? Mitchell Marner's right there, takes it, wham wham wham, does just absolutely sends Stuart Skinner to the shadow realm like oh my god dude like oh I would be oh and that clearly got to his head because he allows in two more in like the next two minutes so the Leafs explode for one of those 
offensive explosions we haven't seen in a little while here. That used to be very common for the Leafs a couple years ago. They'd be down by two. It's, oh, it's okay. They'll score three goals in like four minutes in the second period. It'll all be okay. But again, we go back to the Edmonton thing where like, yeah, you can have all the offense in the world and you can score your way out of problems. That'll only get you so far in the playoffs, man. Like that shit just doesn't work that often in the playoffs. Extremely rare, extremely rare. So, and it hasn't even worked out for McDavid yet. As far as he's got as the third round. So, I mean, it's better than the Leafs, but the Leafs were trying that that doubling down on the offense thing, and now they're not. Now they're more. They're a much more balanced team than I've ever seen them. They're a very nicely balanced team. The forwards are playing more defense than I've ever seen them. We talked about Matthews leading the league in forwards and block shots at times. I don't think he's he's there still, but the fact that he was up there, that's incredible. That's incredible, and that's the kind of thinking that everyone talks about we'll always talk about it with the detroit red wings they're a very similar story with the toronto maple leafs a young fun team with all the talent in the world that just can't make it over the hump until stevie y and all the boys started sacrificing offense for defense and that's what you have to do and that's what the leafs has slowly been doing over the last two years especially this year you look at them they're not the fastest team in the league anymore they're not they're not the most potent uh, off the rush team anymore they like to get in there they like to get deep they like to throw it around get their fucking everybody set up and then just hold you into the zone as long as possible and just cycle it around tire you out and score and um yeah it's it's nice it's it's not the most it, like they're not as exciting as, as they have been over the last two years but i will take that sacrifice any day of the week and honestly this is the point of the season for me as a leaf fan where i get I get a little bit bored. I get, like, at this point, I'm not, like... I did sit down and and just watch the Edmonton-Toronto game last weekend because that was just a lot of fun. But most of the other games now, they're kind of on in the background. They're not... I'm not all that interested at this moment. I'm, I'm more or less just looking at what Sheldon Keefe is doing and I'm trying to key in on what defensive pairings he's, he's liking and, and who he's not liking. I mean... He's been running the the 11 7, 11 forward, 7 defense, which I I never like that. I hate that. I hate when coaches do that. Doesn't give the like we I looked at the time on ice for all the defensemen in the last game. No one hit 20 minutes. No one even hit 20 minutes. So I it doesn't give a, def- a defenseman like they're not getting enough time to get into the game enough. Like if a guy if Gustafson's playing like 11 12 minutes, like what is that really doing for him? Like it's it's a nice kind of st- foot into the warm water, I guess, into the system, but like what, what how like it's not going to do a whole lot in my opinion. So I don't like the 11 7. I don't like that. It it leaves defense I don't know I feel like it's too confusing it doesn't get the defenseman engaged enough so I'm honestly at the point surprised that they haven't benched or or just sat out Giordano for a game or two he's old he's the oldest guy in the league at this point I don't think it would be all that bad to sit him out for one game or two here on the stretch just so we can see what we have in some of these new guys like we haven't seen a lot of Luke Shen yet and congratulations on him having his child and and that's fantastic but I can't wait for Luke Shen to get back in the lineup I want to see what he can do more I want more of it and um yeah so that's what Keith has been playing around with lately he's been still putting Kerfoot on the top line which I don't like yeah I don't know man I feel like maybe the team is getting a little bit antsy we're getting super close to the playoffs we know who we're playing we already know what the goal is here so I don't know I, I I'm a little bit disinterested at this point in this part of the season at least with like the Leafs and stuff like I'm more interested in this playoff race so 
since I said it, let's go take a look at the standings as of... I am recording this on Tuesday night, so apologies if anything fucking drastic changes, which it probably will because games are being played right now, but... Just want to take a look at that fucking that East and West wild card right now. So Pittsburgh is there. They are holding on to that that top wild card spot with seventy eight points. I mean, and then uh, the Islanders are right behind them with seventy six. And then Florida, they're down there at seventy three points. Buffalo, Washington, seventy one points. Ottawa, seventy. Detroit, sixty nine. So. Yeah, man, I think it's pretty much, it's sad to say, because Ottawa went on that really nice run right there, and then they just fucking fell off a cliff. I don't know what happened there. It really, I was really <laughs> getting excited. It looked like the Ottawa Senators might be returning to the playoffs, and they could play the Boston Bruins, and they could upset the Bruins, and then the Leafs could beat them in the second round, and then, oh my god. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen anymore. I mean, now they're six points behind the Islanders. They do have two games in hand, which which is great. Uh, that's about the only team they're going to catch. Like, Pittsburgh's got the same amount of games left as them. They got eight points to catch up for them. Washington, I'd say they're pretty well done with that soft sell that they did. I don't think they really have any aspirations to get in there. Um, if they, I feel if they get in there, they'll be like, fine, yep, no problem, we're in there. But if they miss, I don't think they're going to worry about it too much. I don't think that's what they're worried about. They're just worried about Ovechkin. And then the Florida Panthers, I mean, they, they've done okay. They've just been such a hot, cold team, kind of like Calgary. Like, they really haven't been able to get any major streaks going. Um, but they're there. Like, they're, they're three points behind New York Islanders. they got one game in hand, so they're still in a battle right there. But it's starting to look like, I don't know, the Pittsburgh and Islanders could be the two teams that make it in there. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Buffalo, Washington, or Ottawa, or Detroit, I guess. But Florida could be the only one that, that has a chance, maybe. But... I don't know. At this point, looks like, I don't know, man. That's still tough. That's really tough. It's still open. The door isn't closed for these teams just yet. Uh, in terms of uh, any of the major spots, I mean, could Pittsburgh potentially catch the Rangers? They're six points behind. So, I don't know, man. They got the same amount of games. I don't think that they're going to be catching the Rangers. There's no way they're catching Carolina or New Jersey. But now that is a battle between Carolina and New Jersey, which a lot of people thought was over, but it is not. So they're both at 94 points right now. Carolina's got a game in hand. New Jersey, they're at 66 games. <sighs> Jersey could. They could get the first place spot. It's going to be a bit of a battle for them to get it. But if Sveshnikov, if Sveshnikov is out, that could be their window. If they want to get that first place spot in the Metro, Jersey could take it here. They very well could. And then with, I mean, everyone knows Boston's long and away. They've already, they're already the first team to, they are already locked in for a playoff spot they already they're already clinched it's fucking insane 65 games they got 50 wins that's fucking sickening i hate this team 105 points shut the fuck up so in terms of the atlantic toronto's at 88 points game in hand over tampa bay 84 points for tampa bay so i mean the way that tampa's been playing lately i feel pretty good that the leafs are going to be able to hang on to that second spot will it matter all that much no probably not it doesn't really matter i don't care if the leafs get home or road advantage at this point it really doesn't matter to me and let's take a look at the west so we're okay how is colorado doing they're there they're at 80 points but edmonton's right there at 80 points winnipeg's at 79 points so thankfully winnipeg seems like they're kind of getting it in gear right there holy fuck did they ever scare me there for about a month and a half of playing like dog shit wow 
I had I had Winnipeg as maybe a dark horse going into the Western playoffs, but not anymore. Not anymore. No way, Jose. Now I'm looking at like LA. I still feel like is a that is going to be a problem to deal with until the playoffs. So, and of course Edmonton. I mean, no one's going to want to deal with Edmonton. Edmonton, they're clear. They're they're doing pretty good. They're at 80 points. They're top wild card spot. They're not far behind Colorado. I don't know if they're going to catch Colorado and or Minnesota. They could. They're only four points behind Minnesota. They could catch Colorado. They're at the same points, but Colorado has two games in hand. So, yeah, that's if, I mean, Colorado, they can lose those two games and doesn't mean anything, but they are the Colorado Avalanche. So there's a good chance their competitive juices are flowing right now. I can see Colorado finishing first in the Central, honestly. Like, yes, they are eight, uh, seven points behind Dallas, but it's Colorado, man. Like, I feel like they're going to start amping it up even more every week. So I wouldn't be surprised if they end up first and Dallas falls out. But, yeah, I mean, Edmonton, I'm, I'm very pleasantly surprised that Seattle is still hanging in there. Good for them. But, yeah, in terms of Nashville and Calgary, they're about the only two teams that still have a shot. How much of a shot do I think they have? Uh, Not very good, man. Not very good. It looks like Winnipeg is kind of climbing out of that funk right now. Hellebuck is starting to play a lot better again. So at this point, man, I don't feel good for... I mean, even though Calgary has been picking it up a little bit here, uh, Markstrom seems to have found a little bit of confidence again. So that's nice. So much confidence. So, in fact, I was able to pick him up in fantasy. So, um... More than likely, he's going to play terribly because whenever I pick him up, he's terrible. I drafted him this year, so that's it's my fault that he's played bad. I drafted him, so I apologize. I will take the bullet here for Markstrom having a bad season. But uh, they, they played better. I mean, they picked up a couple big wins. But I, at this point, man, I think it's just too little too late. They just had such a fucking mediocre season. Like such a mediocre season man i was so disappointed with the flames this year maybe with the heat turned off of them next year and they don't if there's not as much expectations if they can come into the season as an underdog that's where calgary thrives baby if they're an underdog they will do they will they'll punch way over their their weight but if they're they're coming in with expectations they're more than likely going to crumble and that looks like it's the case this year so I don't know, man. It looks like the West might be solidified right here. I think maybe those top eight teams, there could be some shifting there. But I really can't see. I mean, Nashville does have games in hand. They got four games in hand on Winnipeg, and they got three games in hand on Edmonton. So, I mean, Nashville's got a better chance, I'd say, than Calgary at this point with the with the games in hand. I'd say Nashville still has a chance. I would give Nashville a small chance, but if Winnipeg doesn't, if they are out of their funk now, I would say that door is closed. But I think the door is still open there for Nashville. It's ever, ever so slightly there for the Calgary Flames. I mean, I feel like that loss to the Ducks last week, that was pretty much the final nail in the coffin. Um, I was glad my buddy Kyle was able to go to the Flames-Ottawa game. They kicked the shit out of the Sens 5-1, so... That was a nice win, but I mean they got they got Arizona tonight. You better fucking win that game or I'm done with you guys. Vegas, Dallas, Los Angeles, not going to be easy. Anaheim, they've already lost to Anaheim. Vegas, San Jose, Los Angeles, Vancouver. Um, yeah, man, I just I really don't feel good about the Flames. Been saying this for a few weeks now. It just looks like this is a season that's that's done. And honestly, I'd be thinking long and hard about who I want to be the coach of the team. I floated this out there before. I think they should go after the coach, uh, whatever his name, Burnett or whatever, the guy that was 
there after Quenville, but before Maurice took over. Whoever that guy was, he seemed to have it. I was like, just bring over, bring over a coach that will be able to coach Huberdeau. Like, get a guy over there, get Huberdeau, because you got to make Huberdeau work, bro. He's here for another eight fucking years, and he cannot have another season like that. So, you get that guy going, you get that team going or something, because on paper, this team is way too good to be this fucking mediocre, and it really upsets me, so... Uh, at this point, when you have a team that's underperformed this badly, you got to look at the coach. You got to look at the goaltending for this season. Like, what the fuck is going on? At this point, the play of Markstrom, too little, too late. If he plays his heart out for the rest of the season, great. Probably just be a lot of fo- false hope for the next season. But we'll see where it goes with the Flames, man. I'm still rooting for them. I would love for them to make it into the playoffs. It's just they have not given me really a shred of belief in them this season because at every point where they have these must-win games against teams that they should be able to beat, they lose. So, um, yeah, you, you're not going to make the playoffs when you lose those games on the regular. Losing to Anaheim yet again, I mean, fuck me, man. That's that's just about all she wrote for the Flames, I would say. But at least the door is still semi-open for the Nashville Predators. Honestly, I don't want them in there over any of the teams that are in there right now. I much prefer Winnipeg, Edmonton, Minnesota, LA, any of those teams. Honestly, it's just, there's not a lot of awesome things on Nashville. The only thing I'm really cheering for on Nashville is UC Soros because that guy's unreal and he should get more respect and, and more props for everything that he does for that fucking team. But I think that is going to be everything that I want to talk about uh, this week. I guess it, it's there. Ryan O'Reilly is expected to be coming back before the playoffs. I feel like we all knew that already, but it's there. They've announced it, so that's pretty awesome. Again, it sucks really major dick that O'Reilly got hurt. This seems to happen with every player that the Leafs bring in on trades. They always end up getting fucking hurt. But as long as he's back for the playoffs, I would love for him to get in there for a handful of games before, just so we can get him warmed up and everything, but it is what it is. He'll be back. Should be back for playoffs. That's great. So thank you everybody so much for listening. If you're if you're new here, uh, hello. Thank you so much for listening. You're fantastic. If you want um, some more content out of me, you can go check out my YouTube channel, Gamer GX Videos. Playing Detroit Become Human over there, and I would have to say, even though you know, I know eleven, like eight or eleven views, is nothing to a lot of people, but for me, this is like a smash hit series for me on my YouTube channel. I, you know. I I don't get a lot of views, but this one's getting like the most consistent views that I've had since I've returned to YouTube. So again, if you're listening to this and you're watching the YouTube channels, a special thank you to you because you're awesome. So go over there, give them a watch. People, some people think they're funny. They've they've commented and said that once or twice. So that's that's great. That really makes my day. If you want to go over there, drop a, a little comment there. If you have any questions related to hockey, video games, or wrestling, you can leave an email. You can send me a message on YouTube. You can send me a message on Twitter. If you have a question you want it answered on the show, send me a question. I'll answer it for you on the show. I'll do the best of my abilities to answer and if you want it to be a private conversation just say so and we'll have our own little conversation no problem with that i'm down with that but i i have to say man like i got a really nice comment earlier this week and it just really made my fucking day so i mean you could do you could do just a tiny little thing like that liking the videos or just telling your friends about the podcast and stuff spread the word really helps me out really makes me happy and um i hope that i'm i'm doing a decent job at helping you guys out with the monotony of life you know what i'm saying i i'm really going through it right now at work i am just it's just so monotonous my job at this moment and um 
yeah, man, I really, really appreciate people putting out podcasts on the regular and everything like that. And I hope you're enjoying them, man. I really hope you guys are enjoying them. We'll be back again this weekend with the wrestling recap show every Saturday. And then on Monday, we'll be back with the gamer uh, the GamerCast this past Monday, I just did my review on Metroid Dread. So if you're interested in that, you can go over there and give that a listen. And uh, this Monday's podcast, I'm thinking I'm going to be doing uh, something with indie games. Uh, talking about a little handful of games there. So if you like indie games, that should be a really fun show for you on Monday. But that is all for me, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Go and Oh, the, tomorrow the Leafs are playing Colorado. That should be a really fun game. So I'll be watching that one tomorrow. Looking forward to that. And as always, we'll finish off with Go Leafs Go, baby. Go Leafs Go!